What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast, Pittsburgh Steelers. They fall to the Buffalo Bills in the wild card round of the playoffs. 31-17, a game that we didn't think was ever going to get played. It got played. There are plenty of conspiracy theories on this conspiracy theory Thursday floating around about the snow, the governor, the weather, Josh Allen, Mike Tomlin, Najee Harris, Mason Rudolph, and everybody else out there in and around the Pittsburgh Steelers. As we drove back last night, roads were good. Got home about 1 o'clock in the morning, just about after a very long trip in western or Western New York. Came home. Snow was on the ground by the time we got to your place. This morning, it decided, hey, remember Buffalo? Yeah, you're going to remember Buffalo. Snowed all night long. Roads are covered here in Pittsburgh. Hope everybody's being safe. But it is a snowy one here. Either way, season's over. Was a wild one. Was a, was a weekend that we may never forget in a game that, even if the Steelers lost, was definitely memorable. Plenty to take away from it. We'll dive into all of it. Mike Tomlin, Najee Harris's words the game itself, and uh, who the quarterback of the future is going to be for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But as always, how are you feeling, my friend? I'm good. Um, You know, felt really good that we were able to escape the snow and, you know, the 15-degree weather in Buffalo just to come back to some snow and 15-degree weather in (laughs) Pittsburgh. Um, So, yeah, we feel right at home. It's like we never left, um, which is great. But, yeah, it was – I mean, that was my first NFL playoff game. I never – really experienced anything like that. That was that was really cool just to be in that stadium and to see I don't know. Sure Steelers fans don't want to hear this, but like Buffalo fans are cool, man. They they are they embrace the cold. They had fun with it. Like watching people dig out um dig out their seats like from the oh, press yeah. box was a good time. Um and just watching them make the best of of a somewhat cruddy situation was was a good time and, and even though the game didn't really maybe go the way many people wanted to, I, I had a good time up there. Yeah, 100 percent. And it was cool. Like there wasn't, you know, you get some I mean, it was technically my I've been to I've covered another playoff game, but it was the COVID year. Steelers Browns wasn't the same atmosphere, barely any fans in the stands. This one was uh, this one was cool. Watching 70,000 people dig their way into the seats at Highmark Stadium was unreal because you you watched. I mean, we had pictures you could check out on everybody's Twitter uh, stories on our site everywhere. The stadium, like, covered, not, like, kind of covered, not a section of the seats, three-quarters of the stadium still completely covered in snow by the time they let fans in. Within 20 minutes, 25 minutes, it didn't look like there was snow anywhere. It was just, you looked out, and it was just a sea of fans. And I don't know how they got in. Pure will, hands, cardboard I saw some people doing. People were just hunkered up on it. They just sat in it and said, hey, Look, at this is a beer holder, and we're sitting here, and we're going to enjoy our ice-cold beer. Shout-out to those guys. Everybody seemed uh, cordial. Wasn't a very hostile environment. There was a dude that was next to us in the corner of the press box that was definitely trying to break the glass, especially there at the end of the game, just pounding on it every time something went right for the Bills. And I was just like, hey, buddy, look, it's freezing cold in here already. We don't need a crack in the window. Please let it go. But besides that, great atmosphere. Wish the Steelers won kind of felt from the beginning that the Steelers were not going to win. And that one was a bit of a bummer, but they did fight their way back. We'll start there with the game. I mean, 
it was a tough one right from the jump, but they did fight back, especially like I just said, a game that you go down 21 nothing. You're sitting there. We we were having we were having thoughts about, man, how bad of a blowout can this be? Are they going to bench Mason Rudolph at halftime? What's going to happen here? They climbed their way back at one point there within seven, and things look pretty all right besides, in my opinion, an absolutely awful holding call on Miles Jack that should have never happened, and then a quarterback slide that, I mean, anytime there's a quarterback slide, there's going to be controversy. Any Anytime it's the most controversial penalty in the NFL. A guy, Josh Allen trucks DeMonte KZ about four minutes before that penalty. This time he goes down, he gets hit, and there's a flag. Mika Fitzpatrick blows a tackle in the Buffalo Bills, walk away winners. Did you learn anything? You walk away from this game, anything that stuck with you almost 24 hours since? Um, No, not. I mean, I wouldn't say much. I mean, I think the better team won. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, the Steelers were just a flawed football team, and I think we're going to yeah. spend the next, whew, uh, when does training camp start? Like, you know, six months. <laughs> um trying to figure out who's the one person who's at fault. We're trying to going to, we're going to try to find, you know, one head to put on a spike, but look, this is a flawed roster, a flawed team who at the end of, uh, I actually credit to Mike to the athletic. I thought he used a good term for it, a Jekyll and Hyde season. Yes. Um, like they just, I don't know. This was such a backwards and, and confusing and up and down season with so many different things going wrong. Some of those things self-inflicted, some of those things, not for the Steelers that, it's just hard to really make sense of what this team's potential was and and where they could have gone if they were, you know, fully healthy, if they had the optimal, you know, lineups in and personnel's in, um, if they, you know, had the right coaching staff in place uh, for the entire season, like how does this team look different? If we, if they, you know, make one little tweak here, one little tweak there, um, if they stay a little bit healthier, I mean, but look, when you're disjointed as disjointed as they are, you're never going to be kind of at a hundred percent or at fully yourself. And I think that's what we saw here today. The Steelers did really well to fight back in a lot of tough spots this year, but this game was, I think a microcosm of their season, which was, you know, you did well enough to get here. You did well enough to be competitive, but there's an artificial lid on this team right now. They're just not built to be one of the contenders in, in the AFC and in the league, like the bills clearly are. So yeah. It's just kind of where they're at, and and I don't think you really learned anything new. I think you're disappointed with the running game not showing up, but I mean, a holistically thirty thousand feet. No, I don't think we. I don't think I saw anything that shocked me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it was. I think it. It just. It kind of put a microscope or an emphasis on a lot of things that we needed to see or that we knew going in there. You know, they need an offensive coordinator desperately because you needed the run game. And and I was saying it all all game, and I think everybody around me, you were you were really the only one, but there was a couple people next to us that I was really probably bothering a little bit the whole game. I'm just like I don't understand why they're only giving their offense one one option here. Why why they're sitting around going, oh, let's run the football with Miles Boykin out wide. That makes absolutely zero sense to me. It just didn't set up the running game. Didn't set up the passing game. It didn't open options. It didn't allow you to make adjustments at the line of scrimmage, it, it was just, just like you said, it, it was an emphasis on all of the problems that they had throughout the season that they found luck with. And they found success with the last couple of weeks as they went into the playoffs. And honestly, they found success in Buffalo at times too, but overall you fall down 21 to nothing. You can only climb back so far. That's what happened to the, to the Pittsburgh Steelers here. You gave yourself an opportunity 
with zero mistakes and then you made a mistake. And at that point, there was nothing you could do from there. But there's not one person to put this on. There's not one player or coach or circumstance that you say, oh, well, that's why the Pittsburgh Steelers are where they are and didn't get to where they should be. There's a million reasons and some bigger than others, but you have to look at this entire roller coaster ride and say, look, if you learn from this, which I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have the opportunity to do, I think they have the opportunity to learn from this. You could come into next season with a new approach on your entire organization and probably win, or you could stick to what you've done last season, the season before that, and take a couple of years to kind of put it together and realize the mistakes and slowly crawl your way towards fixing mistakes. And you could come back and you could be in the same situation that you were this season and last season where you're fighting for the playoffs, you get in, and then you don't really have an opportunity to do anything or go anywhere or make any noise. That's where they are. And there's many areas of this. We're going to dive into Tomlin. I definitely want to talk about him. I want to talk about Najee Harris and his comments because I thought that was very important and very significant. And then obviously the quarterback, which is probably the biggest outside of an offensive coordinator question that the Pittsburgh Steelers will have. And I think the offensive coordinator will happen and I'm excited to see guys starting to be interviewed, but that won't happen until maybe next week. They're going to take it slow. They're going to run through the film. Mike Tomlin loves to take at least a week, a year, six months to kind of go through his exit interviews. And I don't expect that to change. Let's start with Tomlin here. He's asked about his contract situation, which has been under a microscope and, on all the headlines for weeks now about, oh, is he going to Washington? Is he going to Los Angeles? Jay Glazer saying this, Adam Schefter saying this, Mike Florio is saying that he's going to spend some time with his family after the season. All this happens, and we're sitting in Buffalo at a bar watching the, what was it? It was the, it was the Houston-Cleveland yeah, game? Yeah, Houston Browns, yeah. Florio comes out with this nonsense report at the time about, oh, Tomlin's going to take some time and speak to his family. And I'm sitting there ripping on him. I'm like, this guy is, is no, what are you talking about, Florio? You have no idea what you're talking about. And then Tomlin walks off the press conference as soon as he's asked about that question. First off, I thought it was a very good question. I'm not somebody who's going to sit here and say, oh, you can't ask. No, you ask those questions. That's your job. Your job is to ask the hard questions at the right times. And I think that that was both a hard question and the right time to, an to ask it. He walks off. I mean, you were there. Did you take anything away from that moment? Did anything click in your brain? You go, do you have any thoughts when you went, oh, okay, well, see you later there, Mike? Well, yeah, I mean, I think if he was, uh, I think if he was real certain about what he was going to do next season, what he was going to do with his his next contract, how he was going to approach this offseason, probably would have said something. Um, and, I mean, the thing is it could it could all be meaningless if he was just, if he comes out uh, at his next at his exit interview with with the local media, if he says then, because I'm sure he's going to get asked about it. If he says, "Yeah, this is what I'm going to do," if he comes out with a more clear answer, if he doesn't kind of just turn down the question, then, uh, you know, I think it's then it would be clear that oh, we just didn't want to talk about it in the heat of the moment, you know, following a bad loss. Uh, but I don't think that was really the case. I think he does have some more thinking to do. I think yeah. he. You know, I'm still kind of of the belief that he wants to stay in Pittsburgh and then he likes his job and he likes where he's at. But, I mean, there's clearly something there that he doesn't want to talk about, that he doesn't want to get caught in between saying something wrong. You know, um, he didn't want to get caught up, I think, in the heat of the moment with with such a, a delicate question and to give to give an answer that he didn't 100% believe in. And I, I, I 
you know, after a, a full football game, I'm sure he didn't have a stock answer saved up and, and memorized in his head. So yeah, I think he just wanted to handle the situation a little bit more delicately. Um, I think his next press conference, uh, which probably coming later this week, will will tell you a little bit more about you know how he's how he's handling this thing. And I think if he if he walks off of that question again, uh, that's when you can start to get real concerned about uh, you know maybe his status in Pittsburgh or what what he's thinking or maybe he's thinking about moving on. But for right now, I think he's I think he's honestly just still thinking. You know, and he's still kind of formulating that response. Um, and it's just, it, it was a little weird. It was a little abrupt, but I can understand why. I understand why that question's got to be asked. And I understand to the same degree why Mike Tomlin didn't really want to answer it in that moment. See, so you saying that uh, he, he isn't certain, I think, is, is a big thing to say there because it's tough to say. And I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. But I think that's something that. You know, people have kind of brushed off. We've brushed off. It's uh, Mike Tomlin knows what he's doing. He knows that he's going to come back to Pittsburgh. He knows that they're going to sign an extension. You being able to say, I'm not totally sure that he has 100% of an answer about what's going to happen in the future and where he currently stands, I think is significant. And I think it also holds some ground. I'm uh, starting to, I don't know, my, my mind is starting to race a little bit when it comes to all this. I don't think Mike Tomlin is certain about where he stands. I think the Steelers are certain. I think they would keep Mike Tomlin around. I think Mike Tomlin is, I I think Mike Tomlin is starting to acknowledge the flaws in his coaching. I I think that, you know, I read the piece of him before the game, acknowledging that, you know, the, the seven years without a super or without a playoff win is on him. And he kind of feels like the players have to answer questions that, and that's not really their fault. And he wants to hold that weight, but that's who he is and that's the story that he has written so far and he's not really pleased with it. And I think that there are a lot of things coming into light where Mike Tomlin, this big glorious coach, this hall of famer, this, there is no coach like that starting to somewhat realize, look at, I'm, I'm pretty tired of losing playoff games in the first round. And I don't think that that's the Pittsburgh Steelers fault. I think that's a Mike Tomlin problem. And I think there's a billion reasons to that, but I don't think that Mike Tomlin goes to the Washington Commanders or the Los Angeles Chargers and wins a playoff game in 2024. I just don't think that that's how that works. I am starting to become very interested with the sequence of events that is happening when it comes to Mike Tomlin. I'm very interested with Jay Glazer saying, oh, well, the Washington Commanders should be the team that makes a trade for him and they would love to have him, blah, blah, blah. At the time, you're like, eh, well, it's Jay Glazer, so you got to pay attention to it. Would it happen? Probably not. Adam Schefter comes out with the most nonsense report ever saying, oh, well, his life, his wife loves Los Angeles, so you just never know if he could go to Los Angeles like that as any factor in anything. But I'm sure that he heard something somewhere, and that brought up something. And then he walks out, and in my opinion, it, it felt it felt like he knew he was going to do that no matter what. He felt yeah. like, and and I look, at I could be totally wrong, but it kind of felt like, the second that was answered, whether it was the first question or the last question, his response was going to be, I am walking off this podium. I'm very thankful to Brooke to make sure that it was the last question. I don't know where Mike Tomlin stands. I don't know if Mike Tomlin's trying to get more money. I don't know if Mike Tomlin's trying to get a longer contract. I don't know if Mike Tomlin really is thinking about going somewhere else or if he is uncertain about anything. What I could say is that at this moment right now, I think that this is the biggest blurred future when it comes to this guy in his entire career in Pittsburgh on the other side of that do you if you're the Pittsburgh you still sitting here saying this is our coach this is the coach of the future I mean Cam Hayward said 
He doesn't want to play for another coach. Pat P said that he's the guy. Najee Harris said that Mike Tomlin's a true leader and this and that. I mean, do you sit here and, and just say, like, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, this is still your guy, 100%, zero questions asked. And if it is for some reason to try and get more money in this situation or to guarantee a contract, do you think it's working? Yeah, I mean, I think I think he is the Steelers guy. I think I think Art Rooney's still kind of all in on him. And I mean, I don't think you I don't know. I guess the only question is where's kind of the breaking point, I guess, for Art Rooney? Like at what point in this kind of stretch of of you know, not being able to win in the playoffs, at what point do you say Okay, we got to cut it here. Like this yeah. is this is a Mike Tomlin problem, not just a, a an individual season problem. And I don't yeah. think they're at that yet. You know, I I just don't. I think how far do you go before you are at that? Because I because we were we were watching, and, and I'm not. I, I don't think anybody has a definite answer to this, but I want to I want to get your answer. But we were watching the Cowboys Packers game talking about Mike McCarthy and whether or not he's going to be the guy and where we like what Mike McCarthy Mike McCarthy is as a coach and we both kind of said or at least I said you know said it out loud and we just kind of like went from there Mike McCarthy is is a guy that you know you're going to get to the playoffs you're not going to win a Super Bowl Mike McCarthy I mean there's a lot of people that convince themselves Mike Tomlin's going to win you a Super Bowl but it's been 7 years since Mike Tomlin's even won a playoff game Yeah yeah, and I mean, look, these are two very different situations. I think just because of the the ownership, like Jerry Jones is much more impatient, I think, than uh, than Art Rooney is. Um, and I think that I still think the Steel. I think the Steelers are rocking with him. I think they're still thinking he's their guy as long as he wants to. I really think that's the only question: is does Mike Tomlin still want to be in this town, doing this job? Does he want to keep the the kind of air of no playoff wins in seven years. Like, does he want to keep that attached to his name? Because I think as long mm -hmm. as he stays with the Steelers, that's, that's always going to be a part of his story. And I think if you move on, there's a chance where there's a scenario where it doesn't, there's a chance that you could kind of move on and, and get a fresh start and everything like that. Um, and in Pittsburgh, that doesn't escape you until, until you actually do it until you actually break that streak. So but I still think kind of the Steelers are, I don't know, just like I, th I think kind of to go along with our, our first question, did we learn anything new about this team? I don't think we learned anything new about Mike Tomlin. And I don't think the ownership did either. Um, so I think he's still, I mean, if you weren't, if you weren't going to make a change last year or the year before when, uh, you know, this team would fall short in the playoffs before, why are you not? Why you not do it? Why would you not do it then? Why would you make it? Why would you wait until now to make a change? What was different about this year that made you think a change was necessary? So if you go into next season and Mike Tomlin is still your coach, that brings up the Najee Harris point here, where Najee Harris goes on a. He's he was very like I I respected Najee. I respected the hell out of Najee Harris's answer, honestly, and his honesty in the situation and in the moment and how he like Najee's very professional when it comes to things. There are times where Najee is. A guy that I'm like, okay, look at you. Stop being a prick and just answer the question. There, there are times where I'm like, Najee handled this very, very well. This was a time where I, this was calculated, and this was Najee, and this was, this was a very good moment for I think the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like this is a moment where if I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I'm listening to that, I'm listening to that interview, I'm listening to Najee Harris, and I'm going, man, dude, you, you like care about the success of this team, and I appreciate that, and you're trying to actually make some change. He acknowledges that the Steelers need. They need to make some change. And I'll I'll read the exact quote here for you 
quote, I've been here three years, obviously. I have my opinions on things, but I'm just a player. But if you want to elevate and get to where we're at, there's got to be some in-house things that need to change. Coach Tomlin always tells me, just play running back. That's a little inside thing that we have too. But if you want to elevate where we are and achieve those goals that we want, we have to change some in-house stuff. Like I said, that's not my place. That's not anything that I can control or do anything about. Then he continued and said in-house rules. When it, when he was asked to clarify, hey, what do you mean by in-house changes? He said in-house rules. Not one change, no, no changes or coaches or anything like that. Just the rules that are in the building. We've got to be more disciplined. We've got to be more committed. I'm not saying that we're not, but coming from a place that has structure and coming and seeing, we could probably get help in these areas. Make a change. I think that's something that could help. I'm not saying anything about coaches or anything like that. I'm saying in-house rules. He said that it's been like that since the moment he's walked in the door. I would imagine Tomlin comes becomes a big part of all of this. Uh, he he made it known that he has said this to the guys and to the coaches and to Coach Tomlin, and, and it kind of has seemingly gotten ignored, it sounds like. But he says, hey, look, if we want if we want to win, if we want to get better than where we are, we got to be a bit, a bit more disciplined. Does that come back to Tomlin? Is there a chance that if Tomlin is the guy, if Tomlin remains with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2024, that maybe, just maybe, he starts to actually realize that his players have issues the fans have been screaming for many changes, changes that have seemingly worked. You know, you got to remember, people have been shouting from the bleachers for a long time for Matt Canada to get out of here. Mike Tomlin finally realized, look, it's time for Matt Canada to get out of here. They have been shouting for a long time. Hey, look at Kenny. Kenny isn't isn't doing what he needs to do. Mitch definitely isn't doing what he needs to do. Maybe it's Mason Rudolph time. As crazy as that sounds, Mike Tomlin finally realizes, and hey, look, at it works. Chooks a core for years two years of people screaming chooks isn't the guy go get a different right tackle i mean it wasn't perfect but they moved broderick over there and it seemingly worked you got to play two running backs why is Jalen warren not playing as much as he is finally starts to work you see all these changes it takes a long time for mike tomlin to accept these and kind of get out of his own way do you think if he is the guy which you know we're going to assume that he is that he starts to maybe listen to these things listen to his players and there is some change. This is a new Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a new coach Tomlin in 2024. Yeah, I think when coaches are backed against the wall, they they start to become more flexible. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I don't know how far up against the wall Mike Tomlin really is. I mean, like if he got fired today, he would find a new job in about 12 seconds. Um, yeah. It wouldn't be an issue for him. Um, but I think he does feel like to your point about all the changes that he made this year. And I think Matt Canada was kind of the prime example, you know, an in-season coaching change is just so rare for this organization. Um, I think you can see Mike Tomlin getting a little more flexible. Um, I think you can see the organization getting a little bit more flexible. And I think, you know, we talk about that playoff drought. We talk about kind of how it feels like they're spinning their tires a little bit um, for the, especially for the past seven years. Um, and even beyond that, I would say quite honestly, like, yeah. You know, even when I think they were making, you know, AFC championships or anything, you never really felt like they were within striking distance of something greater in the ultimate goal. Um, but yeah, I think you are starting to see a more flexible version of Mike Tomlin. And I think, you know, as you go into the offseason, I think we can kind of expect them to continue on that same path and continue to think about, okay, what are some of the changes that we need to make? What can we make? And just accepting some different input 
and you know not kind of uh not operating under the assumption that one guy is infallible one guy has all the answers that that this is a collaboration and they need the whole team and and to get somewhere different you got to do something different yeah yeah i agree i agree and i hope it clicks with them because that that's like it's so easy to lay that out and it's so easy to say those things but we've been saying those things right. you know and i agree with the flexibility thing and i hope that he sees that you know it's not necessarily he's backed against the wall he's going to lose his job but more so he's backed against the wall players and and fan like he's got an entire organization and everybody around the organization in such a tight spot where they like want to trust him they want to give in to who mike tomlin is they want him to be their coach and to lead him them to great places but they don't trust that he could do so. And I hope that he uses that as, you know, like coaches have reputations. Like Bill Cower is a dude that is so beloved in this city. And Bill Cower struggled for a long time. But when he finally won and the way he went out, that he is so beloved in this city that I think he loves that. Like, I don't think there's like, if he came to Pittsburgh for anything, the people here are like, oh my gosh, Bill Cower, man, that's amazing. And I think Mike Tomlin wants that. I think, I think every coach wants that. They want to be somewhere where, their legacy will be remembered as a successful winning champion coach. And Mike Tomlin's legacy is not that right now. And I hope that that is where he becomes flexible. I hope that that is the back against the wall that forces him to change and, you know, listen to people. I don't know what the in-house things are. I think a lot of people are asking those questions. What is, what does Najee Harris mean by in-house thing? What is the discipline? I mean, I think we all have guesses. I think we all have, assumptions to certain things and certain players and certain moments of the season. But I have no idea because I'm not sitting in meetings. I don't know who's coming in late. I don't know what the punishments are for things. I don't know what anything is. I've not, nobody has any idea what's going on in that building except for those in the building. And all I know is that he was open enough to say, Hey, look it, we got to be a more sound football team. And the structure here has got to be better. And that falls on Mike Tomlin. And I hope so. I hope that he changed. I think if he does change, like, I think that's the thing is if he, becomes flexible enough to start listening to to people like Mike Tomlin puts his team in a winning situation. He just kicks himself so hard that they're so far behind the eight ball when they start to get there. You know, like he he's a playoff coach who hires bad coaches, who makes bad roster moves, who refuses to change things, even when it's notable that he's supposed to change things. If he hires good coaches and makes the roster moves that he's supposed to make and stop emotionally attaching himself to benching guys and to making changes to how people operate. Mike Tomlin himself could lead you to great things. You know, he's just, he's got to be able to do the rest of it and stop starting down here and start starting up here. And he could take you here. And, you know, maybe he does, maybe that does change. It all starts right now, but I think Najee Harris saying that, I mean, I major props to Najee Harris because I think that for the first time might open some doors to say like, Hey, look at, Start freaking listening, man, because it is ridiculous that we are not winning football games because you refuse to listen to anybody but yourself. And I think you got to put that on on Mike Tomlin. All right. The other big question about the Pittsburgh Steelers season's over. We got a long, long way to go. We'll go through free agency. We'll go to the senior bowl. We'll go to the NFL combine. We'll go to the NFL draft. There will be OTAs. There will be training camp. Kenny Pickett's name will be brought up a billion times. But so will this other guys, Mason Rudolph. Seemingly a, a good game once again. You know, you look at you look at a game. I, I had his stats up. I pulled them down. I'll bring them back up here. You look at a game where you're down 21 nothing by halftime. There are a lot of people out there saying, "Oh, put Kenny Pickett in. This is ridiculous. You need a spark. You got to go to Kenny." Oh, how 
how how how the roller coaster ride just never ends. He comes back. He finishes the night twenty two with thirty nine, two hundred and twenty nine yards, two touchdowns, one interception. His his interception was bad. It was early in the game. It was in the end zone. It was bad. He also ran two times for sixteen yards. He gave them an opportunity at the end there to kind of come back and set themselves up. And I thought Mason played rather well. You head into the offseason. Mason's name is going to be a, a name to watch. He did not. He pretty much curved the question when asked about his future with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's done that a couple of times. I think neither he nor anybody else has any idea what's going to happen. And I think a, an exit meeting with Mike Tomlin is going to determine a lot of what he says and what he believes is going to happen and where the Pittsburgh Steelers stand with their quarterback situation as well. Do you believe the Pittsburgh Steelers try to bring Mason Rudolph back? Do you think that they consider him a starting quarterback in 2024? Do you think it's a competition? The season's over. We've seen it all. We've asked this question, but there's no more games to watch. Where do you stand with the with the quarterback situation? And, and what do you what are your thoughts on on what they do with Mason Rudolph? Well, I think they'd really like to have Mason Rudolph back. I think he showed them a lot. I think he, like you said, um, played well to perfectly fine over this, these final four games of the year and well to perfectly fine what a compliment yeah i, mean, I don't know i don't know <laughs> what, what do you want i mean he he was fine he was fine in some games he was really good in others i agree um, i agree yeah, yeah yeah uh but yeah he was i mean it was a complete upgrade over the quarterback play that they've gotten over the past two years so yes. i mean i i don't think yet you can complain about that at all but I, I think the one thing you're worried about is just kind of what kind of money he's going to command as a free agent on the open market after yes. this. Um, I think, especially after this year, I think people buy into the idea that, you know, backup quarterbacks can be serviceable for you and they can win games for you. Um, so I think, I think he's going to be a popular name on the free agent market and one that I'm not really sure that the Steelers are going to be able to keep up with in terms of financial terms. Um, Where do you like, see that number? Well, I mean, look, like I don't know if he's going to get this kind of money, but you just you look at what uh what quarterbacks, especially starting quarterbacks getting paid around this league and if you're anything other than a rookie, you're getting paid 25 million dollars. Like just about What's every Baker start. Mayfield getting paid. Do you know? Baker Mayfield is I got it right here. Hold on, let me look up uh Mayfield. Cuz Baker would be one where God. Four, so four million dollars, and I think he's on a one-year deal, and he's got incentives. Uh, yes, because I, I we good. were driving home last night, and they were saying he made another two point five mil. So he's probably right around eight nine million dollars on the season. Yeah, I mean that feels like a fair number. I mean, if you're able to, I just, I just feel like it's going to be. I mean, and and look, like Mason, I think is coming off of a, is coming from a better spot, I think than than Baker Mayfield was, and I yes. think he's going to command a little bit more money than that. I think I would maybe draw the line around like $15 million. Maybe oh. go a little bit North of that. Like really? Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think Mason's pretty good. I've kind of done a 180 on Mason. Like I, I was completely out on him earlier in the year, but I think watching him play and then looking a little bit more closely at his numbers from earlier in his career. And I'm a little bit more optimistic on what he could be as a somewhat regular starting quarterback in the NFL. So, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe I'm a vic being a victim of the moment, but I, I feel like you could, you could live if you're the Steelers with 
a fifteen million dollar like total guaranteed contract, maybe with, with incentives on top of that. Like I, I'd oh. be fine with that. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I think I'm, I think I'm much south of that. I don't think he makes fifteen million, and I could be totally wrong because you have the numbers in front of you, and that makes. Like I'm just, I'm just winging this. But if you asked me where Mason Rudolph's contract next next year is, I'd say the max he'd get is ten million dollars after incentives. And that's and that's to be probably a starter on a one year deal. I think in Pittsburgh, they're gonna offer him five million dollars with incentives to be a, a guy that they would compete with. Twenty million. I mean, you can't pass up twenty million if you're Mason Rudolph. You can't oh, pass yeah. up fifteen. No, not at all. But like, I mean, you look at the guys who are I mean, like Tyler Heineke is Taylor Heineke is making seven million dollars. Like, oh. all right. and, and like, and the like, it's, it's, I don't know, the other, the only people kind of comparable in that, like, the, the highest paid, like, so there's a gap between, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's the 18th highest paid quarterback in terms of, like, an, of terms of, like, total value. I guess you yeah. could sort this by annual value. Um, but, um, he's making 25 or a yeah, year. 24, 24 and a quarter. Yeah, Oof. Jordan Love's making thirteen and a half million. He's on like, his rookie deal. Yeah, or no, he's on his fifth year option, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Uh, what's, who's around Heineke? Heineke feels like a good like. What's he seven point five? No, what's, he's who, he's seven flat. Two seven, seven, seven and a, two a seven and a half. Jacoby Brissett is making eight million dollars. Okay, okay, okay. I feel like that eight million, eight to twelve million dollars, depending on what a team sees in him is. Wow, Baker got it, man. Yeah, Baker got kind of screwed. Yeah, yeah, Tampa Bay, especially man. after watching, him, especially after watching him throw for like three hundred yards last night. Yeah, um, yeah, Baker, Baker, Baker needs some money this offseason. I get eight million dollars makes who's around? Who else is around? So Jacoby's eight, Taylor Heineke's yeah. seven. I could see right in that range of like eight to ten, depending on what. And the cap's going to go up, so maybe even higher. That's maybe. what I'm saying. And just like the next guy to get paid always gets, you know, the next bag. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. You're not wrong there. You're definitely not wrong there. And you're saying the Steelers, you're you're comfortable with the Steelers giving you feel the Steelers would be comfortable? Fifteen mil? Yeah, I mean not very like, you know, obviously not very comfortable. I think that's the high end range. Yeah. Um does he come in here as a starter? Oh, uh, well, that's a good question. I don't know. I think you make him go through I think he's gotta go through a con like I don't I think it's gotta be a competition. Like yeah. look, he played well, but he played four games too. Um yeah. And so I think I, I think you also kind of owe it to Kenny to a certain extent to give him that last chance to maybe beat out Mitch in a competition and and you can can see where you're at after that. But I think I think the Steelers, if they're paying him that much money, they would look at him kind of saying, "Look, we you have to win it, but we kind of expect you to, and this is why we're paying you this kind of money." Um, and I also think to a certain extent, it's just kind of competing with what other teams might offer him. Like if you yeah, really yeah. want him, if you really want him, that's I think what you're going to have to pay him in the first place. So he comes in, you think he you think training camp starts tomorrow. They pay him whatever, 12, 15 million dollars. He comes in here. You think it's you think it's Mason's taking one reps, Kenny's taking two cuz I mean I don't I don't expect Mitch to be here. I, yeah. I think he drafts somebody or something, you know, that third guy is going to be very very cheap uh to have. What's Mitch makes like 5 million dollars something next year like yeah, could you imagine a five million dollar third string quarterback? Like unreal. With like um, an eight million dollar cap hit. Like yeah, yeah, just can't. No, can't happen. You 
do you see so you're saying mason gets or you know just open-ended mason gets the first reps kenny gets second reps they both split in first team reps if it started today uh i think i'd give mason those the bulk of those first team reps first and then you kind of ease kenny back into it i mean i don't know like i'm not an expert on the organization of training camp practices but i think by the end of the end of training camp or at least by the end of the first week or something you're looking at it and it's pretty close to a 50 50 split maybe 55 45 for mason um like i think you give mason the upper hand you kind of hold him in a little bit of higher regard just because of i don't know he was just able to give your offense a different element that i don't think kenny did uh Mm -hmm. all season but i still think kenny there could be something there and i just wouldn't want to i think it would be a little foolish to completely discount that going into next year do you go that move or do you go first round quarterback I think I think I'm more partial to a first round quarterback just because of how deep this draft is. Yeah. Um, and I think also, I mean, like, look, I think, you know, that twelve fifteen range, that'll be the going rate for Mason, but I don't think that's ideal. Um yeah. and I think also, I mean, I, I wouldn't feel I guess this is kind of a, a cruddy situation for the Steelers just going in the offseason because I don't I don't feel super comfortable burning a first round pick on a quarterback when you have so many other needs too, but yeah, I mean, like quarterback, I think feels like the glaring, the most glaring one. Like, I yeah. feel like you've seen teams get away with maybe a sub, bit of a subpar offensive line, maybe a bit of an. I mean, the defense was beat up, but like you know, maybe an inconsistent receiving core. Um, if you've got like a game changing quarterback, and I think if you feel like you can grab one of those guys in the first round, then you absolutely go for it. it it's that's the other thing; it's got to be the right guy. Like, yeah, hundred percent. You're not just drafting a first round quarterback for the sake of drafting a first round quarterback, like. If JJ McCarthy's there, like I'm not, I'm not picking him to, you know, to lead yeah, us to the your promise guy. Land. Do right. you do you see it? Okay, because because I agree with you. I agree. I'd prefer a first round quarterback. I think there's less risk with a first round quarterback. Like it's still obviously risk, but much less financial risk, and, and the upside is probably a lot better. This is the biggest issue with the way that they structure the league as a whole. Structures free agency before the NFL draft because. I mean, you got to take that. You have to pick one. Like, you have to pick one before free agency. You either go out and sign Mason Rudolph, and he is your guy. Because you're not going to sign Mason Rudolph and draft a first-round quarterback and say, oh, these are we'll just put everything into our quarterbacks. Chances are, you know, Mason Rudolph's our starter, and now we have two first-round quarterbacks behind him. Like, that is, that's not how you win Super Bowls. It, it's a huge risk for the Pittsburgh Steelers to sit here and say, oh, that'll be our guy, but also... Eh, maybe and then you don't know what one of those guys is going to get there from where they're sitting I think that makes it even more of a risk if you're going the easy option you're going if you're going the safer option I should say you're going Mason Rudolph if you're going to be risky and if you think somebody's going to be there where you're there or you're willing to move up and get somebody you're going first round quarterback but that is such that is such a risk for the Pittsburgh Steelers to sit to go into the NFL draft and say, oh, where do we, I think they sit like 23rd or something to sit there at 23, 22, 21, wherever it is and say, oh, OK, well, somebody might be here. Maybe that's just yeah. you don't know. You don't know, which I think gives Mason an upper hand. I don't know. Would you think Mason would want to come back? I feel like that's a good way to end this. Do you think Mason would want to come back if given the opportunity to come in here and compete to be the starter? I don't know. Because I think he has been through, I don't know, this organization, I don't think, um, you know, it's a bit of a drawn out storyline, but just hasn't always given him the fairest of shots. Yeah. So I think if he was able to say, 
mm, I can get a better guarantee from this organization or that organization who has a more, I don't know, who has a more certain quarterback situation, but in that kind of the same vein, like, uh, you know, like needs, I don't know, uh, that could still be looking for a starter that has a more, I think, open competition because I still feel like the Steelers have an attachment to Kenny, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think he would take that opportunity. Um, I don't think he would mind staying with the Steelers. He's just, I don't know. I don't think he wants to walk into training camp, be told that he's going to compete, and then kind of never be given a shot. And, and then never like give that, a shot. Right, and I feel like that's... I can't discount that possibility. You know, I think it's there as well. I think it's there as well. And I think that that could come back to bite them. I also think at the other side of this, you know, if he's sitting around thinking the Steelers are going to offer me the same amount of money everybody else is. And I have a good connection. I mean, Deontay said it last night that he hopes Mason comes back and is the starter. That is his exact words is I hope he comes back and is the starter. Like that's, he's got the locker room. You know, I think that, I think that that would help. And I think that his familiarity with the offense and with everybody else could definitely help. But again, I agree with you. And and I think it comes back full circle to the Mike Tomlin thing is like, are you going to stick to your guns and say, well, Kenny's our guy. He's thrown 13 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. And he's won almost as much as he's lost, but he is our guy. Are you going to just say, Hey, screw it. Screw we drafted him. We're just trying to win Super Bowls. And Mason Rudolph is a former third round pick who, you know, could possibly do some things in the NFL and we're willing to to find that one out. I don't know. That's a question for later. We're going to dive into all this. We have a long off season in front of us. It stinks that this is the last time we'll talk about a game, but it is what it is. That's the, the life cycle of the NFL and the Pittsburgh Steelers are in one rocky part of it. But like I said, we'll try to fix it this off season and we'll give as much advice as humanly possible for obviously Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin to listen to all of it and give us their feedback and listen and make the moves that we say they should make. With that said, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of all Steelers talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash all Steelers talk. Check us out anywhere you get your podcast. And as always find all of our work at all Steelers.com and our pit coverage at inside the Panthers.com. Today is locker clean out day. Later in the week will be Mike Tomlin's press conference. So there will be plenty of news coming here. The YouTube channel, the podcast subscription channels, and obviously allsteelers.com. It's snowy, but enjoy a beautiful day in the bark. Peace.